uh, the Jordan River. So we had them at the border. Then last week they were crossing. And one thing we talked about, we started off with, was talking about just the enormity of this deal. This was over two million people passing over the Jordan River. And when we saw, as we broke that scripture down, what we saw was the fact that there were actually four different components that we recognized. First, we saw the fact that the people's willingness, their commitment, uh, the commitment of the people, which was this was coming down to the fact of their willingness to leave the safety that they knew. Right? Their safety always been in numbers. They'd gathered together. Their safety was just a tent. And what they recognized is the fact that, guess what? Their safety really was just kind of an illusion like it is for us. We're not really safe in the world. Our safety comes from our relationship with God. Proverbs 29, 25 says this, The fear of man bringeth a snare. This is a snare for the believer. The fear of man bringeth a snare. We're afraid of the world. It, allows, it becomes a snare in our lives and we allow our fears to control us. But listen to the next part. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Amen. Amen. So we know that our security, our safety comes in the Lord. And it was their belief and trust in their sovereign God that allowed them to follow him. Then that brought us to the second thing we saw last week, which was the priest's obedience. Remember, these priests were going to bear the ark. These four men are going to bear the weight of the ark. They were going to put it on their shoulders. This is a dangerous job because if they were to mishandle it, it would kill them. But the other thing was they're going to step into the water. They don't know what's going to happen. They know that God said this miraculous thing is going to take place. So they kind of quell their fears and they follow through and they do what God asks them to do, which allowed them to experience the reward of faith. And that reward of faith is when their water, as soon as their foot touched the water, boom, the water, the Bible says that it stands up as a heap. Literally, the water just starts to pile upon itself, and it stacks up and becomes a wall beside them, creating a dry riverbed. So all the way from where it starts, all the way down to the Dead Sea, this is estimated to be about 12 miles long. It is not only a, a riverbed, but it is a dry riverbed. The Bible says they cross on dry ground. And, and, and if, you, if you don't have Pastor Mark Trotter's book, 52 Weeks of Pursuit, I cannot recommend it to you enough. Get it as soon as you can. Because as, as I was, I did the message last week, and I was like, yeah, you know, I didn't really necessarily see that much in Adam, and I went and looked at his book, and I was like, that's a really good point he made there. I was like, I should have seen that. But he talks about the fact, he says, why do you think it's named Adam? Because what happens, this picture, what God's picturing here, is what flowed down from Adam, the original sin that flows down to humanity, right? We know that's sin. What happens is it is cut off through the power of God, picturing for us the deliverance and salvation through Christ, who's pictured in the ark. I missed that, but he got it, obviously. But anyway, these books are wonderful just because, and I'm not here to promote books, but it will give you a great understanding of the scriptures as a whole, but just an awesome thing. So here they are, standing before this dry riverbed. They have crossed over it. Now, what God did was he gave them a clean and clear passageway into their promised land. And when they reached the promised land, what did they get to do? The fourth thing we saw was they get to leave their past behind them, right? We've all got a past. Well, praise the Lord, they got to leave theirs behind them, clean and clear, to embrace the new life that God had for them. He said, look, I prepared this for you. Understand, this is 20 generations prior to this group, 20 generations before God had prepared this and had it for them. And what we saw was the fact we discussed the correlation, the way that they were to embrace their new life is the same way that you and I are supposed to embrace ours and how it mimics the same thing for us and how they followed their Joshua, the Lord Jesus, or they, they followed their Joshua, but our Joshua is the Lord, right? That is our Joshua. In fact, Jesus, Joshua translated in Hebrew is the word Jesus. And then through our commitment, through our obedience, what happens is we get to experience the reward of faith and we get to leave our past behind us Amen. as we then can embrace the abundant life that God has for us 
our promised land. And that's what God wants for us. Why do we constantly talk about that abundant life? promised land, getting us to where it is. God wants intimacy with humanity. Remember the reason for the tabernacle. We spent a hundred messages going through the book of Exodus, and the whole thing was about God trying to restore intimacy, intimacy with us. Today, we're going to talk more about how God goes further in regards to establishing that. But now these Israelites, they are standing. So last week, we were crossing. This week, we have arrived. They are now standing here. And what we're going to hear is God's going to give them their first official instructions on what the next step is in our message this morning called Back on Track. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you so much for today. And God, I do pray that you will help me to get out of the way. Lord, I know that you have given me, Lord, a a tremendous amount of study this week. And uh, God, I thank you for all of the things that you showed me. I know they will not all be in this message. But Lord, I know that you gave gave them to me for a reason. And Lord, I pray that you'll help me to just to get out of the way. Lord, I do not want to be heard. I want you to be heard, Lord, that you will speak to our hearts. Lord, help us all to have ears to hear. And, Lord, hearts that are willing to receive truth, God, the truth will set us free. And, God, I know there may be one even here today that is struggling with where their stand is with you. They don't know necessarily if they're even a child of God. And I can relate to that. Years ago, I knew of no idea who you were. But thank you for your love. Lord, I pray that you will work in our message today. Lord, grip our hearts. Bring us to truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of the Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. So the first thing we witness here is the fact of their arrival. This is their arrival. And it came to pass to and it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan. This means Joshua. This means the bulk of the people. This means all the priests except for the four. Remember, these guys are excluded. They're still standing in the middle of the dry riverbed. So at this point in time, the water that's flowing from upstream is standing like a wall. And what this tells us is that every single individual Israelite has experienced something miraculous. Because they have all passed over. They've all experienced the miraculous deliverance power of God. They all have their individual personal story. It's not just something for the bulk. Everybody individually walked across this dry riverbed. Just like you and I. As children of God, we have an individual personal experience of the miraculous deliverance power of God, where God did something remarkable. For me, it's August 11th, 2001. I can go back to the day I know where I was. I remember my life at the time, and I remember the fact that, guess what? I was lost and undone. I was wandering through life, not knowing where I was going. I was aimless and hopeless, honestly. I didn't understand what eternity was. I'd never been to church my entire life. I was not raised around Christian people. I was raised around the world. And all I knew was, you know, live life to the fullest. Have fun. Maybe if you die and you're a good person, you'll make it to heaven. That's, what I, that's all I knew. And then, thank God, Amen. someone introduced me the to the Lord. Right? Amen. Someone introduced me to the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only was I shocked when I understood what he had done for me on the cross, but really coming to the realization 
that in the midst of my lost condition, in the midst of my sinful life, knowing who I was, that he loved me. Yes. Even then. Amen. And so having that realization, I was overwhelmed by it. And I turned and gave my heart to the Lord. By faith I trusted in Christ. Romans 10 verses 9 through 13 says this, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's a promise from God. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be Ashamed. Amen. Why is baptism important? Because that's a public profession of your faith, saying, I am not ashamed of whom it is I serve. I am a Christian. Amen. Listen, verse 12, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. God's not delineating. He's not picking and choosing. No, it's to all who shall call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's not picking and choosing those that are good and those that are bad. Because guess what? We're all bad. <laughs> if you think you're good, wake up. <laughs> you're not. None of us are. Amen. We all needed a Savior. That's the whole point. And He came because He loved us in our sin. And that's the remarkable part. Even though we're unworthy, He yet still loves us. Amen. And not only did I respond to the call to salvation, but I respond to follow the Lord. In Matthew 16, 24, he said that, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Follow me. Go the way I go. Live the way I live. And can I ask you today, are you 100% sure that you have arrived? Are you certain that you have arrived? That there's been a time when you understood that you were lost. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. And you got saved. You can think back to a time and you say, you know what? There was a time when I realized that I was lost and undone without God. Mm. I realized in that moment that on my own I was in, in dire trouble. And not only did I understand it, but you know what? Through that realization, mm. I made a conscious choice in my mind and in my heart to surrender my will to God knowing that my, ways, my way was a way to destruction and his was a road to life Amen. so into the flesh reap corruption so into the spirit reap life everlasting we give our heart to the Lord and in that moment when we choose to we receive the gift of God this free gift paid for by the Lord on the cross Romans 6.23 for the wages of sin is death What's the cost of sin? Because we are sinners and we're all sinners. Everybody's in the same boat. The wages of sin is death. We're all in the same path. We're all heading to destruction. If you think about it like a river, there's a river that's flowing. At the top, there's this oasis of beauty and perfection and peace, and there's no current at all. It's perfect. But the current, the water's running down from there, and at the bottom, there's a huge waterfall that falls for a thousand feet into destruction and rocks. And we get in the water. You're born. Guess what? You're born, and you're in the river. And guess what? If you lift your feet, what will happen? You head for destruction. Mm -hmm. And the Lord says, hey, 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 hey. I got something for you. Amen. I got something for you. Yeah. Did you know what's upstream? Mm -hmm. I know you didn't know about it, but I'm going to tell you about it. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell you to stand up. Stand against the current of this thing. 
Mm. And now what I want you to do is I want you to turn and go upstream. Amen. Go upstream. And as you go on, over you to reach out and grab the people that are floating past you. Reach out to them and pull them upstream. Tell them and let them, help them get their feet on the ground so that they can pull others. Yes. And it's never easy. It's a fight all the way to the top. But when we leave this world and you no longer feel the current, you're going to be at a place of absolute peace. And the current of this world will not exist there. But until then, we're going to feel it. It's going to pull on us. And what we have to do is be willing to tell people, the good news. Because salvation is not through church membership. It's not through water baptism. It's not through religious ceremony. It's not through the works of the flesh. We'll never do anything to earn it. It's not through birthright. Some people believe, well, I was born in a Christian family. I'm a Christian. No. It's not the way it works. There was a time when you heard the truth. And you arrived you see, they had to pass over in order to get to that side. There was a passing over moment for us. And if you have, don't have an arrival experience, is it possible that you've not arrived? Maybe you haven't. Because understand, it's one thing to know about God. That's another thing to know God. You guys know I'm a big Star Wars fan, right? If you don't, y'all are dense. Or you're not watching Wednesday nights because i got a bunch of Star Wars junk behind me, right? <laughs> so I know all about George Lucas. I know a ton about George Lucas. I can tell you all about the development of the movies and all that kind of stuff like that. But has he ever sent me a birthday card? <laughs> Christmas card? No. I know about him, but I do not know him. That's the same thing. There's all these people that know about God, but they don't have a personal relationship right. with God. And see, that's what God wants, the intimacy. He wants us to communicate, to spend holidays together, to be brokenhearted, to share our hearts and be broken amongst one another, to share our personal details. And when God speaks to me through the Word of God, He grips my heart. And yes, when I pray, I can call out to Him, brokenhearted. Thank you, Jesus. And He's there with a listening ear. Yes, thank you. We have intimacy. And you see, our Joshua, the Lord Jesus Christ, man, not only does He call us to salvation, but He calls us beyond that. He calls us that we need to tell others the good news. Why am I so passionate about telling you that you need the Lord? Because we're not promised tomorrow. That's right. None of us are. We're not promised today. We could leave this service today and get hit by an 18-wheeler and killed today. And leave this place today. And if we step into eternity, are we ready? Are we where we need to be? And so you understand, not only did Jesus call us to salvation, but he also called us to something else. He said, Matthew 4, 19, and he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And the fishermen back then, they didn't fish with a hook, they fished with a net. And they would cast out, and they would draw in. That's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to have our lives cast out into the sea of this world mm-hmm. and use it to draw people to truth. Amen. But if our life isn't righteous, our net's full of holes, it doesn't do anything. We can fool ourselves. We can go through the work of throwing the net out. But if it's riddled with holes, it doesn't do what it's created to do. So not only is the Lord compelling people, He's telling us to let them know about His great love. If we're truly one of His, if we know 
right? If you're a child of God, you know it. Because guess what? The Spirit of God lives within you. Does that mean you always feel saved? Nope. Will there be days when you'll feel far from God? Yep. Because guess what? We're stuck in this stinking flesh. This flesh is our problem. So first we see their arrival. Now the people have faithfully followed the instructions of the Lord they've, they've, that have been relayed through Joshua. They are all now have had this shared experience of crossing over the Jordan. And now they're waiting for Joshua to tell them what God has to say. Showing us and revealing to us yet again that God, that Joshua is God's mediator. God's mediator. So the Lord spake, and it says here, and it says that the Lord spake unto Joshua. Now, if you're in a situation where you have multiple parties that are trying to communicate and they're not communicating directly, guess what? You go through a mediator. That mediator is the one that communicates back and forth. This is in court. This can be in business, whatever situation it may be. But what we find here is the fact that this has been the way that things have functioned. For Moses, remember? Moses would hear from God and he would relay it to them. With Joshua, it's the same thing. We know that back in Joshua 117, it says this. Is, um, the people are accustomed to this way of communication. It says, according as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, the way we, same way we heard from God. I love how they say how we hearkened unto Moses in all things. That's a <clears throat> bit of a stretch. But uh, <laughs> so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. And whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death, only be strong and of a good courage. So not only are they comfortable with it, but what you find out is factly with their parents, this was actually the way they, they wanted it. This is the way they preferred it. Back in Exodus 20, verse 19, it says this. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us. Moses, you talk to us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. Look, we don't want to hear from God. <laughs> We're good with you being the, the mediator for us. And you see, what we see is the fact that here, Joshua was their mediator. This information was to be carried through him and then to them. And the same thing is true for us Today, we have a mediator as well. 1 Timothy 2, verses 5 and 6. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So our Joshua, the Lord Jesus Christ, became our mediator, not only in his sacrifice through bringing us through spiritual death unto spiritual life, but also becoming the conduit with which we can then have communication and access to the Father as his children. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 1 John 2.1 My little children, speaking to believers, these things I write unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, when we do mess up, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So you see, when God speaks in this day and age, guess what He does? He speaks through His Word. Amen. Through His Word. That is clear. Why did God preserve His Word? Why did He make a point of making sure that it was perfect and then preserve it over time so that we could hear from Him? Psalm, 1, Psalm 12, verses 6 and 7 say this, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation for." Ever. He says, I have preserved my word. You hold in your hands the word that I intended for you to have. And because of that, there is no need for additional revelation. 
There are people that believe out there that, you know what, I just got a word from God. I got a word from God. I got a word from God. I got a revelation from the Lord. The Lord's adding to His word. No. What I want you to find is if you go into your Bible and you look at the book of Revelation, you'll see it's complete. There's no gaps. He's not asking for any additional information. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And what you find is where it ends is eternity future. <laughs> Literally, the Bible goes from the beginning of time to the end of time. It covers everything we could possibly need to know. And then, in fact, it finishes with a stern warning about adding and subtracting. Yeah. Revelations 22, 18 and 19. For I testify unto, unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecies of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. He says, you are not to add to what I've given you. I've sent you the whole thing. 19. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city from the things which are written in this book. I think God's trying to tell us something. Yep. He's like, I'm done. I'm done. I don't need you to add or subtract. I've given you the complete canon of Scripture. Right. And what's cool is the fact that when God wants to speak to us, what does He do? He draws us to His Word. And then His Spirit pulls us in and helps us to discern what it is He has for us so that we can receive it. That's the beautiful thing. So as the Israelites hear from Joshua, their Joshua, we hear from our Joshua, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because what did John 1.14 tell us about the Word? And the Word was made flesh. The Word, capital W-O-R-D, the Lord Jesus Christ, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. And this is the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Word that we hear is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our mediator. Which brings us to the next part. The servants of God. Verse 2 says this, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man. Now I know that's a simple little phrase. And we go, okay. But God has it set, set out for a purpose, I believe. And what I saw in this was the fact that God is literally talking. He said, hey Joshua, you're going to pick your twelve. Now's your time. Getting ready to do this. Now we know because we've already looked ahead, we know what these men are chosen for. They're going to gather stones out of the center of the river. They're going to carry it back. They're going to set up a memorial to remember what God has done. And we talked about a couple messages ago, the fact that you and I are supposed to be setting up a memorial in our life. When God does something great, we should be having a memorial that represents what it was that God's done. But I don't want to look at that today. What I want to look at is just the fact of the numbers of these men. Why is it this twelve? Based upon the instructions, it's, we know, we can see that these men are selected, one man from each tribe. Now, I know we listed the tribes before, and I'm going to list them again today just so we make sure we remember who they are. The tribes are Reuben, Simeon, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Ephraim, and Manasseh. And so we'll see that one man will be chosen from each one of these tribes, the same way that Moses did. Remember, Moses sent the 12 spies into Canaan. He chose one man from each one. And what we'll find out and what history will reveal to us is that each one of these tribes has its own identity and its own character, okay? And they'll be defined by their father, okay? Now we're going to look at that in just a moment. These identities are prophesied in Genesis 49 by Jacob, who is later on going to be, his name's going to be changed to Israel. And there's one in particular that we're going to focus on today, and that's the tribe of Dan, 
the tribe of Dan. Now, as we'll see in this task related to what it is we're doing here, the gathering of the stones, boy, these 12, all of them, they're all going to get their, they're going to be faithful. They're going to all get their stones. Not one guy is not going to get it. They're all going to be faithful. But over time, that faithfulness is going to change. That faithfulness is going to, is going to wane. In fact, before Israel is taken captive, Dan is going to slip dramatically. In Judges 18.30, And the children of Dan set up the graven image. Okay? A graven image is a statue to a false god. They are literally worshiping a deity that is not God. They are unfaithful. It says, They will set up the graven images, and Jonathan, the son of Gershon, and the son of Manasseh, and he and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. So the tribe of Dan becomes unfaithful to God and turns their back on God. But in the beginning, in the beginning, they look the part. They appear to be faithful. But let me just tell you, looks can be deceiving. Looks can be deceiving. Jacob, their father, says this of Dan back in Genesis 49. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path, that biteth the horse's, uh, bite the horse, horse heels so that his rider shall fall backward. Now, that last part with the, the horse and falling backward, like I said when I was praying, I got a whole lot of study in this message that's not going to be in this message because I can't go into all the details of that, but there's some really wickedly cool stuff in that, which is amazing. But we're going to focus on that identity that he gives him. He calls him a, a serpent, right? Now, for the purpose of today, that's our focus. And then, listen to what Moses calls Dan. At his death, just before Moses dies, in Deuteronomy 33:22, this is what he says of Dan. And of Dan, he said, Dan is a lion's whelp. He shall leap from Bashan. Bashan. Remember we talked about in the book of Exodus, before they crossed the river, there were two cities that were destroyed. They were Amorite cities. They were wicked and filled with all kinds of iniquity. One of those cities is Bashan. So it says here that Dan will leap from Bashan. It's a representation of evil. So here we see a lion. So Dan is described as a serpent and a lion. Can we think of anybody else in the Bible who's described as a serpent and a lion? Yep, sure enough. Revelations 12, 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out in the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Genesis 3, we know. How does the devil appear? As a serpent, right? So there is a match there. But then how about the lion? 1 Peter 5, 8, right? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So the descriptive terms of a serpent and a lion describing the devil himself, demonic, evil. So now we go back and we think about the 12 men represented here in Joshua. Right, understand, they're now, they, right now they appear zealous for the work of God. But in the near future, these very same men are going to betray the Lord. And that makes us think of another group of 12. Right? So now we have the disciples, the 12 disciples, and they all looked apart. When they get together, man, they're all in. There's one that's, that's a devil, man. There's one that's completely ungodly. But when they get together, they don't know. He looks the part. He acts the part. He speaks the part. The Israel, all the other disciples trust him. They give him the money. He watches over the money bag. They have complete faith in, in Judas. What we find is Judas' loyalty is not with God. 
right? His heart is somewhere else. He is unfaithful. He would betray the Lord. And if we dig deeper, we don't have time to do it, but like I said, all that research, I could make a really, really good case that Judas comes from the tribe of Dan. Things don't happen by accident. It's all tied together. So with the backdrop of the 12 that Joshua chose and the 12 here that that God chose, let's ask ourselves a couple things. Where do our loyalties lie? Where do our loyalties lie? Because remember, they look the part. They act the part. They'd be in church. And we think about this and we go, man, am I more loyal, so loyal to the world that I would literally betray my Savior? But recognize, when we consciously choose to serve our flesh, when we know what we should not do and we choose to do it, we are in fact betraying our Lord. Now, I'm not pointing fingers because guess what? Hey, I'm struggling with the same flesh you are. But we need to be aware of who it is we are and recognize the fact that it's easy to point out the ones that fail in the Bible. It's easy to point out those that are unfaithful, but it's harder to look in the mirror and say, hey, you know what? That's me. That's right. God's trying to refine us. And when we're consciously serving our flesh, we are betraying the Lord. Because even though the children of Dan were a part of much of the great work, as we go forward here in the book of Joshua, you're not going to hear any problems with Dan. They're going to be in lockstep with everybody else right along the way. But you'll recognize the fact that this, this, what's important is not how they start. It's how they will finish. Because how will they be be remembered. The memorial in history for the tribe of Dan mm-hmm. is not the way they were faithful at the beginning. It's how they were unfaithful in the end. That's what we know about them. And it's really interesting that whenever God later on in the Bible, when you get to Revelation chapter number 7, verses 5 through 8, God's going to go through another selection process. And He's going to draw out of the children of Israel. And He's going to select specific men that are going to do an amazing work for God. But there's one tribe that God omits. Guess who? Dan. Not in the list. And it all goes back to their unfaithfulness. Fourth thing we notice. The landmark of God. Verse number three. And command you them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of the Jordan, out of the place where the priests set uh, peace, peace, where the peace feet, where the priest's feet stood firm. Sometimes these words are hard to say. Oh, bear with me. Twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. So we see here the instructions. They're supposed to go back into that dry riverbed. They're supposed to go about the center point. They're supposed to find themselves a stone, put on their shoulder. They're supposed to carry it back. Now, we know that this is going to be for the landmark that they're going to be able to point to and say, this is what God did. This is the thing we have to look back on and say, this was the work that the Lord did. But notice it's interesting the fact that God tells them to take it back to their lodging place. Take it back to where you're all going to be setting up camp. I want it to be in the midst of that. Why would God want that to be the case. Because recognize, the event took place at the Jordan. You kind of think you would want to stack it by the water. So you can say, remember this? This is that water right there? No. He wants them to take it back to their lodging place. Because this is not something that's just for the twelve. This is for all of them. 
They need to recognize, so as, this, as these stones are sitting in the midst of the camp, they're supposed to connect with it and understand the fact that this was all of their story. This landmark was not just for the 12 to be a part of. This was for everybody. A shared experience. And so with that reminder of all of them, that what God had done on that miraculous day. And why is it important that they have that reminder of God's power, God's faithfulness, God's presence, His his work in their life? Because guess what? The road ahead is not easy. Every day of life, challenges come. Some of us have been through some unbelievable barriers in life. Some of us have been through days that we did not think we would survive. And what's going to be important for them when they go face opposition is to look back and go, you know what? Remember what God did. Amen. Amen. We've got a landmark. Remember the stones that we all slept around? Remember that thing we saw? Yes. God did. That was impossible. Right. And though this seems impossible, He did it before. Mm-hmm. And He's faithful. You know what? He'll do it again. Amen. That's right. So when God calls us to be holy... And we struggle with holiness. Man, look back to the landmark of God. When He calls us to be, to, be, to be in service to Him, to be forgiving when we don't feel like we can, to be merciful when we feel like we want to strike out, to live righteously, to sanctify ourselves away from this world and try to live a godly life. It's those spiritual landmarks that we need to look back to Amen. so that we can hold on to His power and His presence, and His faithfulness. And see, for some of us, it may be a physical thing. Maybe your landmark's a Bible you have, one that, man, that's just been through the ringer. I mean, it just looks the, you know, it's every, every day it's lived. You can see it on the cover. It's beat to pieces, it's marked up, it's got notes and tags and stickers, and you name it. But when you see that Bible, you go, you know what? God is faithful. That's right. Man, I know today sucks. I know today feels like it's going to be the end of me. But God knows where I'm at. And He's been faithful the whole way. And even if I just need to hold that Bible in my chest, let the Word minister to my heart even way. That landmark is a strength. Maybe it's something spiritual. Maybe it's a spiritual landmark for you. Maybe it's the day of salvation for you. And you go, man, you know, I can think back to that day. I know where I was. I remember what happened in my life. I remember when I changed from who I was to who I am now today because of God's glory. And I hold on to that moment. And like I told you before, you're not always going to feel saved. But that's okay. It's not a feeling. It's a truth. Amen. God gave us a promise. Amen. And can I just tell you this? If you were ever saved, you are still saved. Amen. Your salvation is not based upon the life you live or the person that you are. For by grace you are saved through faith, faith alone, and not of yourselves. It's not your life. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not you. You couldn't get your salvation. You don't have the authority to get your salvation in the first place. You don't have the authority to lose it. It's all Him. So if you were saved before, you're still saved. Listen, Romans 8, 3, 38, 39. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate. He lists everything you possibly imagine. Shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Praise God. He's saying no matter what, if you were ever saved, you are saved. And the landmark may not be a feeling, but it's a promise. Amen. Amen. And when times are hard, 
because they will be. If life's been peachy keen for you up to this point, I'm just telling you, buckle up. Because <laughs> there's coming a day when it's going to suck. And you're going to be like, man, this is terrible. But guess what? God's still on the throne. And what does He do? He shapes us through adversity. Tribulation, work with patience, patience, experience, experience. Oh, praise God. Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's a landmark. Hold on to that one. Memorize that verse. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. I remember when I did that. I know I meant it. Today I don't feel saved. But He promised me that I shall be saved. And God never breaks His promise. I'm a child of God, though I don't feel like it today. But I can hold on to that truth. So going forward, there are several questions we need to ask ourselves. Four, in fact. Have I arrived? Have I arrived? Am I truly a child of God? Am I certain that my relationship with Christ was established? I can look back on it and I know that I'm His. Secondly, am I listening to God's mediator? Am I listening to God's mediator? Do I have ears to hear and a heart that's receptive as God deals with me? If you're not in your word, guess what? You're not hearing from God. Mm-hmm. If you're not hearing from God, you can't listen. You can't receive. I'm just telling you, if you don't have regular time in the Word of God, you need to. Yeah. Desperately. Amen. Not so that you can check it off and say, I'm a good Christian because I did this. But because you can hear from the Lord. Amen. And God can speak to your heart and grip you. Remember, He's all about shaping us. And especially when you're in adversity, man, go to this Word and let it minister to you. Let it heal you. Let it change your perspective on your situation. God has a plan for us. Thirdly, Am I a servant of God? Am I a servant of God? Are my loyalties earnestly for my Savior? Or do I have loyalties to this world that cause me to be unfaithful? Searching our hearts. And if we're honest. Now, I'm not just talking about sin. I'm talking about things like fear. Fear. Anger, frustration, things that many of us live with day to day. And when I'm falling to fear, and that's what determines my situation and my choice, I am, in fact, being loyal to the world. Because remember what it said, fear of man is a stumbling block, right? It's a, it's a, it's a stop for us. But my fear, I shouldn't be fearful, because in Christ, in God, I can have hope, I can have faith, I can be safe. Be careful where our loyalties lie. Fourth, do I have spiritual landmarks in my life? And do I live with the confidence that they're intended to bring? Amen. Do I walk through life with faith? Or do I walk through life with fear? Those landmarks are there for a reason. They're to help us to stay established in them. And if you don't have spiritual landmarks... Establish them. Understand the importance of them. Fall in love with this word to where instead of you not knowing where your Bible is, you're like, man, 
It seems like I'm just stumbling over that thing all the time. I've got it in my purse. I've got it in my hands. Not your purse, but, right? That's always with me. I'm, just, I'm in love with this word, man. And that's the cool thing. It's the fact that, man, if you fall in love with the Bible, you're constantly hearing from God. He's speaking into your heart and he's shaping your life. But listen, if you're not scripturally saved, you can't have any spiritual landmarks. Because you're not his. It's an impossibility. If you've never arrived, you can't be where you are. Not in Christ. But today, you get a chance. If you're online and you're watching this, you say, no, I don't know. Well, praise the Lord. You can establish your very first spiritual landmark today. The day that you choose to receive Christ. But see, most importantly, it's not just about how we live now. We do want to be living for God, no doubt about it. And it's not even how we started. But remember, it's how we finish. Because do we want to be earnestly serving the Lord? Or do we want to have a memory or a memorial to us like the tribe of Dan? It's up to us. We choose. First, 2 Timothy 4, verses 6-7. Paul wrote this just prior to being executed. This is what Paul wrote. For I am now ready to be offered a sacrifice. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Listen to the last part. I have kept the faith. I was faithful to the end. And though I face an executioner who's about to murder me, my departure is at hand. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, I was never in love with this place. Yeah. Man, I am in that place. Amen. Yes. May the same be said of us. Amen. Yes, absolutely. That we would keep the faith. Mm-hmm. And listen, if you're not on course <laughs> to finish right, today can be your day mm-hmm. to get back on track. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today, God, for just helping us to see ourselves, Lord, the way that we need to. Not fooling ourselves, but just being honest with who we are in Christ. And Lord, the life that we're living. And Lord, I just, I praise you. Thank you so much, Lord, for what we've seen. We've seen, we saw the arrival, Lord God. We saw the mediator. And Father, we saw your, your incredible power working in the lives of these people. And God, as you are calling us, and as you're dealing with us, Lord, help us to be faithful to hear. Help us, Lord, to respond in a way, Lord God, that our lives will be tempered and shaped and changed. That we might, Lord, be faithful to the end. That, Lord, we will be listed amongst the eleven. Not be the one. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Look, if you're here today and you say, you know what, I don't know where I stand with God. I'm like you were. Guys, 19 years ago, I did not know Christ. I believed in God, but I was not going to go to heaven. I'm just telling you that right now. A good person's not it. It's a matter of surrendering our hearts, understanding that Christ is the only way. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man come to the Father but by me. Now, if you're online watching this, and you don't know where you stand, can I just tell you that today God is calling your heart, and you know it. As He's calling out to you, all you have to do to respond 
The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The price has been paid. The gift is prepared and ready. All we have to do is choose to receive it by faith. And if he's calling your heart, all you need to do is respond. There's no magic prayer. There's no ceremony involved. It's a matter of a broken heart calling out to God. And if your heart is ready to receive that gift, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. You can do this in your heart, in your mind. You can pray out loud. I don't care whatever you want to do. This isn't about us. This is about you and God. He's the one that can work in your life, not me. I'm just going to tell you the truth. And if you want to receive that gift, I'm going to give you a chance right now to pray and receive Christ as your Savior. So with our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, if you want to receive Christ, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray. It will not be the words of this prayer that will save you. The words are not it. It's your broken heart. God is ready, willing, and able to receive you right now. He's calling you. You just have to respond. So their heads bowed and eyes closed. If you want to receive Christ as your Savior, trusting Him for your eternity, you can do that just now. In your heart and mind, repeat after me. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I am so sorry for the life that I've lived. I know that I've disappointed you. Disappointed myself. I've disappointed my family. Right now, with a broken heart, I call out to you by faith. I'm asking you to come into my heart, to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins and save my soul. By faith, I'm trusting in you. Lord, Help me to live for you, to walk with you, and Lord, to honor you with my life. Thank you for saving me. I'll see you in heaven one day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Head still back.